The Paul Kaharski Podcast is brought to you by Yazoo Brewing Company, a Nashville original since 2003. For my radio gig, paulkuharski.com, Paul Kuharski Podcast. Upstairs here, we've got Monday night football pregame on one TV and weather on a bunch of other TVs. So we'll see uh, how smooth it is. I'm confident in my ability to drive to Brentwood from here. I am not confident in the ability of other people who will be on the road. So we will see how that goes. Doghouse Saloon, a sister bar of Winners, which is just up the street here on Division. I encourage you to visit all and both. Uh, Winners sponsors Blake Bettingfield, who writes for the site on a regular basis. Friday previews of each game from a scouting perspective. Monday reviews uh, every game from a scouting perspective. Former Titan scout for a long time. Uh, really brings us something at the site that you're not going to find anywhere else. Uh, a vocal production tonight. They br- uh, produce my podcast at paulkuharski.com. They're passing through Nashville today. We're doing this live, uh, and I appreciate their efforts. On our behalf, Ted Price here with crew of thousands making this happen. Uh, and I hear some crackling there. I'm sure he's in a panic working on it. We're drinking Yazoo because Yazoo sponsors these fine podcasts. So uh, happy, as always, to have their support. Encourage you to put it in your fridge, take it to wherever you go to watch games, and uh, drink it when you're at a fine establishment like Doghouse or Winners. Um, Huge win for the Titans on Sunday against the Chiefs at Nissan Stadium. Unexpected, um, though um, a lot of people were thinking, you know, the Titans were due for their breakout signature win. Um, I didn't see it coming. I thought it would be too much for the Titans to handle. Uh, to slow down Patrick Mahomes. And in fact, it was too much for the Titans to handle. They didn't slow down Patrick Mahomes. He threw for 446 yards. Taking off this microphone, gonna change up to something different. Here we go, going to this one. He, um, Mahomes threw for 446 yards in that game, which was the most yards any quarterback has thrown for in Nissan Stadium under any name, whatever name you call that building, nobody's thrown for more than that. Billy Volick has the record for a Titans quarterback in that building. I think it was 426 yards. So the Titans didn't slow Mahomes, but that's part of what made the game so encouraging. The secondary's been the thing that has carried the Titans through a lot of games, and we were going to those guys in this secondary, uh, lamenting for them the lack of help. Um, And here's a game that the Titans won when the secondary struggled, understandably so, against some terrific weapons and a terrific quarterback, and they found another avenue to win this game. I wanted to start off this session talking about this draft. Uh, John Robinson, the in John we trust mantra, I think, has faded, and he doesn't have the same unwavering strong support that he's had, Um, but his supporters and even his detractors now have to admit this draft looks awfully good so far. Jeffrey Simmons, I don't think, has the legs um, that you would expect a guy to have because he hasn't played football as much as everybody else, and the ACL recovery is still a thing in process in terms of his recovering to play 
um, football regularly, but he's been an impactful player. Uh, he's a very good player for the Tennessee Titans. He's been uh, called on for more, really, than they'd like to because of Jarrell Casey's injury over the last couple of weeks. But he's an impact player for sure. You could see why the Titans drafted him 19th overall, why they were willing to wait on him um, with the ACL injury. And I think in the long run, we could wind up saying it was a really, really smart move for them to be willing to endure um, the first part of his rookie season waiting on him. A.J. Brown, 27 catches, 446 yards, three touchdowns, 16.5 average with a lot of great yak yards. That's only 2.7 catches, 44.6 yards a game through his first 10 games. But the Titans do not get production out of wide receivers, and they do not get production out of rookie wide receivers. And he is very encouraging. I think he's going to be a good player for this team for a while. Nate Davis needs more time. Um, so I think the jury's still very much out on him. But he's getting important starts as a rookie right now. Amani Hooker is on the field um, as a rookie playing in the dime package. He's got eight tackles, four special teams tackles. Uh, it's too early to tell too much about him, but they obviously have faith in him where they're playing him at this early stage, and they have a package where they're comfortable him with him being a guy that's uh, out there in dime. I don't know if I'd say look at him and say, hey, uh, get rid of Logan Ryan next year on, on Hooker's behalf, but um, I think he's a, he's a guy that clearly factors into the plan. And David Long... Um, is showing off just how these smaller, faster inside linebackers uh, are such a factor in the NFL circa 2019. He played 28 snaps against Kansas City and made eight tackles. That's a pretty damn good ratio. Um, and uh, I think he's a guy to be encouraged about. I think Wesley Woodyard, as good as his leadership is, as much of a contribution as he could still make, we're probably going to see the top three inside linebackers next year be Rashad Evans, duh, Jayon Brown, duh, and David Long uh, on this team next year. And that's a pretty damn good three-pack. Uh, so I like the look of that. When we came up with this live podcast idea, um, one of the things I wanted to do was incorporate uh, a couple of people from my All-22. These guys are, are my diehards at the site. Uh, and I've also become pretty good friends with a lot of them. We talk um, rather consistently on an app in a group chat. Uh, and one of them's here with me, but one of them is in Texas. Uh, and he's on the phone holding here. Marcos Escobar, are you with me? Sure, am, Paul. What's going on, buddy? How's it going? Just another another day in uh Titans win on, mon on, on a Monday, so it's good. I bet that looked good on TV down there. Where are you in Texas exactly? I am on the most southern border. So basically picture Mexico. I'm five miles from Mexico. What's the name of your town? It's called McAllen, Texas. You wanted to talk about the um, Titans never-ending, non-flashy, not particularly modern offense. What's on your mind with regard to that? Well, we saw Patrick Mahomes throw for 446, I believe it was, yesterday. And, look, the Titans won. It's great. But we've seen, even when we've had those star backs, we had the Chris Johnson, 
and he, Chris Johnson was awesome. He did well. But what did it turn out for us? One playoff uh, season, I believe, his rookie year. We have, we have Derrick Henry. Maybe we're going to see this crazy amount of production out of Derrick Henry. But guess what? The Titans probably aren't going to want to pay him. I just wonder, since Wisenhunt came in, they tried to do an offensive thing to go. Are the Titans just cursed in trying to find an offensive team? It seems like yesterday specifically, against Patrick Mahomes, you're praying that the defense gets a strip sack fumble for a touchdown. You're praying that the defense needs an interception. You're praying that you need a special teams touchdown. And I, th- I just think that's hard to do on a weekly, weekly basis in the NFL when you can get a quarterback come throw for 400 yards every week and he gives you a solid chance every year. Yeah. Wanted to get your thoughts. Well, I think you have to luck into that guy. And, um, right, it could be the 11th pick overall or what was Deshaun Watson. They, they weren't the top guys in their own drafts. And so that goes to show you how it's not so clear when they're coming out of college. Uh, and you might decide that Mitchell Trubisky, as hard as that is to come to terms with. And I don't think the Bears are the only team that loved him. Um, but I, I do think they're the only team that was going to trade up from where they were. Would they trade up one spot? They spent resources to move up one spot to make sure that somebody didn't get ahead of them for Mitchell Trubisky. So you've got to find the right guy. Then I think it's hard not to build around them, at least now. Um, But, I mean, Marcus Mariota looked like that guy, and the Titans failed to build around him. You have to have a certain level of faith where you open things up and let him do his thing and give him the weapons and decide that's who you're going to be. And remarkably... The Titans, from Fisher to Munchak to Wisenhunt to Malarkey and now to Vrabel, have not had the pieces and or been willing to go that direction. I think part of it is that they all have found it easier to be a defensive football team, a run-based football team. They think that those pieces are easier to get and it's easier to craft Um, a football game and a winning football effort around those pieces than it is to do it the way these teams are doing it, especially without having a top, top flight quarterback. And they haven't had a top, top flight quarterback. So the number one thing there is, is having the quarterback. Now, you have to want the quarterback. Do they want that super dynamic quarterback? I sure as hell hope so. Uh, I would think ownership would want that top-flight quarterback because if you've got Mahomes or Watson, you're selling a hell of a lot of jerseys, right? I mean, you put him on the field, you let him do what he does, you, you get the right kind of coaches for him, and uh, you're going to win games, you're going to sell jerseys, you're going to be marketable, you're going to be on Sunday night football and Monday night football and Thursday night football and um, in prime time, and it's going to be a more exciting thing. But even if you stay, Marcos, the, the way that they are, don't you need like a Christian McCaffrey kind of running back? Don't you need a modern-aged running back? I like Derrick Henry a lot. Derrick Henry's the best player on the Titans' offense. But he's not a three-down player in their eyes. And I think that your star player on offense has to be a three-down player. And if Deion Lewis is better than you on third down... And I don't like Deion Lewis at all, but I can see their argument that Deion Lewis is a better third-down player than Derrick Henry, th- third-down player than Derrick Henry. That, that kills you, right? So you're taking your best player on offense off the field every third play, conceivably. 
And that's no way to live in the league, and that raises the big issue of what, what Derrick Henry's going to be worth, uh, what his future would be here or elsewhere. And I'm with you, man. Uh, I hope there comes a day when I'm still covering this team where it's got a modern passing offense that's based in analytics and that lets it fly. But I think Mike Vrabel, if we had him here right now, might say, hey, what did letting it fly for 446 get Pat Mahomes yesterday? I appreciate you calling in. It's good talking to you. Thanks, Paul. Let me uh, get back to my notes here. So one of the things that came out of yesterday, I think a lot of Titans fans sold their ticket to, to Chiefs fans yesterday. A lot of primo seats were wearing red yesterday. Um, but I also think, you know, a lot of people are making it like the whole building sold to Chiefs fans. I don't think that's the case because you can go to Ticketmaster for any Titans game and get tickets. It's not like there's 68,000 seats sold in Nashville. There haven't been 68,000 seats sold in Nashville in some time. This is a 20-year-old team without a track record of success, with a fan experience that hasn't been great in a good while. This is a city with 83 people a day coming from elsewhere, and that's down from 100. All of those people probably have an affinity for another team. At best, the Titans are going to be their second team. They're not going to buy season tickets probably. They might go to a game a year. Tourism is one of our top industries, if not our top industry. And I think to a degree, Nashville is just kind of a different city. And it's, it's not New Orleans in terms of sports fandom because the Saints have been there for a long time and it's in people's blood. Maybe Vegas will be somewhat like that except that there are Raiders fans all over the country who will flock to Vegas. There are not Titans fans all over the country. So that's different too. I think this is just a unique market in this way. And I think if the Titans went on a five-year run that included two Super Bowls, hell yeah, the place would be all two-tone blue. But until that happens, I think that there's a certain inevitability to, to what's going on here, that if you're playing a team that does travel well, like Kansas City, like the Vikings, like the Bills, it's going to look something like it looked for the Chiefs game. And I don't know, maybe I'm better at coming to terms with that than, than most people because I don't, I don't have a rooting interest in it, obviously. But I think we're going to just go through this cycle where people complain about it and where it's not as bad for the Chargers game because the Chargers don't have a big fan base and they don't travel that well. It's not as bad for the Jaguars game. But when you get to host uh, the Bills or the Chiefs or the Saints, it's going to look like that. And I don't think there's a heck of a lot of getting around it. And uh, I want to bring in the second friend from the All-22, Will Craig, has been going to games since he was a kid in Nashville, Tennessee. He's a member of my All-22. He was at the Kansas City game. He was at the Titans' last game in Nashville before they moved in the stadium. He was at their first game in the stadium. And first off, just react. Is, is that crazy for me to think there's an inevitability to guests in Nissan Stadium, at least for a while, until there's a steady winning product here? Or, uh, and is that something you could ever accept? 
Um, no, I don't, I don't think it's, it's crazy for you to think that. A lot of people forget that before the Predators started winning all the time, there were more Chicago fans at Blackhawks games than there were Preds fans, and there were more Detroit Red Wings fans. That didn't, they didn't. They plotted to make it harder for them to get in, but they still got it. Right. Well, I mean, I'm talking, you know, 10 years ago, but I remember going, and, and, and it's the same thing. My, my seats at the Titan Stadium at Nissan Stadium are on the visitor's side in between the visitor's tunnel and their sideline. So if you're a visiting fan wanting to come to the game, that's where you try to sit. So we're surrounded by them every game. You kind of get used to it. And the Titans have certainly done better things recently to try to help out. They have people checking to make sure you're, seats are in your section when you go down there you're not just coming from the upper bowl um so there's always going to be fans just like i'm always going to want to go to an away game when the titans play um you you kind of have to accept that but the big thing is if the titans can win some games like they win yesterday that they really encourage the fans who were there to want to come back they have to have you know it's got to be easy to get into the stadium the food prices have to be reasonable it, it has to be i mean the product on the field is what it is There's that not creates a lot of, some fomo though like if you oh, absolutely didn't go yesterday and you could have i mean maybe you got a couple grand for your seats and that's one thing that it pays for the rest of the year i understand that but there have been some good endings this year. Oh, for sure. The, the Chargers games. game was a great ending. This was a phenomenal game. People were talking about that. Um, even, I mean, it, it wasn't the result, but even the end of the Colts game. I mean, all the games right. that they've been playing have certainly been down been, to the wire. They've been good football games. So, uh, so absolutely, there's FOMO. But, but when they get fans, when they get Titans fans, when they get people from Nashville to go to the games, they've got to make sure that in the stadium they're doing a good job to get them to want to come back. Uh, the 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 players are the players. Everybody wants to have a good football team. But there's other things that the Titans can do, too, that I feel like they're not doing. And that's causing a lot of people in Nashville to want to say, I might as well sit at home and watch the game and I'll sell my tickets. Well, that's, that's where I'm heading next. So Scott Cameron, another friend of ours from the All-22, the question he wanted me to, to get, get to, and I thought we could get to it together, he wanted me to be director of fan engagement for the Titans. He said, from leaving the house to coming home, what gets me engaged and keeps me informed? We've been experiencing it and discussing it for a long time. So what do we want, not what do we hate? So I've got three items. Let's talk about these three together, and then you chime in if you've got any. The first thing I put, I want engaged customer service. Anyone I ask wherever I go where the media gate is when I'm on the road should know where the media gate is. You'd be amazed how many places I go when I get blank stares from people who are on the streets around the stadium, people who are in the parking lot who are wearing the, the jacket, cops who don't. In Carolina, everybody I asked knew exactly where the media gate was. That's a huge, you know, I mean, do they care that the media is happy that, that we were able to find the media gate? I don't know, but they should be. I don't, want to, I don't want to be flipping burgers or pouring beers, but if that's my job on game day, you can be damn sure the person across the counter is the most important thing to me and not the chit-chat I'm having with Phil on my side of the counter. But I never experience that when I go to a game. Even at Bridgestone, it's a little bit better. There are certain places it's really good. I know one woman at one stand who's always phenomenal. But they make it at Bridgestone because it's better than it is at Nissan Stadium, like it's otherworldly. And it's not to me when I'm there. No one can ever be out of anything if they're at Nissan Stadium, if I'm setting the standards. If they are, it must be shouted, announced, posted. I can't get to the front of a five, ten minute wait and find out they don't have burgers yeah, or hot dogs worst. or anything that like that. That right there is the worst. Customer service has to be primo. And I understand, it's not easy to find somebody who's working 
eight dates a year, ten dates a year for a Sunday afternoon who's completely invested in the job. But that's not my problem. They used to have volunteers working all that. Is that still the same? I don't, I don't, know. I don't know. There might be a gate here or there or a, 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 a desk here or there where it's raising money for Jenny's softball team. Right. But I don't know if that's a way to run a business well, either. Still, I don't know that it's an easy problem to solve, but again, it's not my problem. I'm spending big bucks to come in to see your team. Maybe I'm a season ticket holder. I want a damn burger and a beer promptly, cold if it's supposed to be cold, hot if it's supposed to be hot. Solve it. That for me never comes down to the employees. It's about the manager. I mean, it's the same right. as if you go to a restaurant and get a bad server. It's not the server. It's, it's the manager. The manager should be responsible for those things. So, I mean, there should be somebody in charge of every, you know, stand or whatever you want to call it. And, and then there should be somebody in charge of all those people. And they should be pretty diligent about it. There's no reason um, that the, the ticket agents shouldn't know where the media guest is. Not the ticket agents. The security people. Right. Um, but, but the person who's running that for the Titans and has been for a long time is not – it doesn't seem like they're being proactive to try to make it better. You've been to games around. Lot, you yeah. travel. So where do you rank your experience with stuff like that and overall compared to what you've seen elsewhere? It's different it, – it, it's different when you're at a new stadium for the first time because you're so – you're just trying to find the right place. Um, I have dealt with Nissan Stadium or the Coliseum or Adelphia or whatever you want to call it for a long time, and they, um, I've had some good experiences with some people who were very helpful, and I've had some really bad experiences. Um, I think the problem is, kind of like what we were discussing a minute ago, is that you have people who decide, okay, this is the Titans game I'm going to go to, and then they have a bad experience, and it kind of ruins the whole thing for them, and then they sell their tickets for the rest of the year. So the Titans have to do a, a job of not – letting that one bad experience happen um some other places i went to the old atlanta falcon stadium not the new one georgia um, dome the georgia dome thank you and and everybody outside that was for an sec championship game it, um everybody outside was extremely helpful everybody inside was extremely helpful it was um you could tell that they went did extra to make sure that nobody had a problem and, and that's not an every-week game. That's a one-off right. thing where I'm sure they're trying to succeed. But there's no reason an NFL franchise can't have the mindset of Should have that we're not going to have any problems. All right. My sense is that they've worked very hard to make it very clear where you could have an easier time to get in. And some people disregard that and then complain. And the big trouble area is where the pedestrian bridge empties, which is also where the ride shares drop off. So the vast majority of people are coming in at that end zone, all right? And so I'm, I'm a little bit sympathetic. I know they have new signs up. I know they have an app that suggests where you go. I know a lot of smart guys say, hey, everybody's going in there. I'm going to walk down around the edge over by the river where there's no parking, and nobody's walking down there, and I can scoot in pretty easily down there. But when they redesign the building, I want the outside of the lower level to be almost all gate. Like virtually everywhere you can step to the building is gate. A lot of college stadiums have that set up because they know that everybody, you know, chugs as much alcohol they can until kickoff. Yeah, I'm not going in two hours time. early, no right. matter what kind of specials you give That's me. That's exactly right. Um, they could also use some LED screens. I, had the, I mean, that doesn't seem like it would be that hard. This is, I mean, airports have them now. Right. This is your wait time at this gate if, you, if you're in a hurry. And want to walk a go little farther, way. maybe go to this one because this wait time is 
10 minutes. As I thought they to put up some of those or something like that. Hey man, I haven't seen them you yet. You haven't seen them. All right, so that's one of my other ones. Here's, here's my fancy thing. I'd love, if I'm, a, if I'm a fan with a ticket, I'd love a high-tech app that fed me analytics. I think you'll like this. So I get it. I get it. When I'm watching a game on TV, I struggle to keep my eyes off my phone anyway, right? Imagine if with a scan of my ticket, my team also feeds me a stream that says, it's third and four. When trailing by three in the third quarter, the Chiefs have passed 58% of the time in this situation. Look for Tyreek Hill on the right or Travis Kelsey in the middle of the field. I would eat that up. Oh, no, everybody would eat that up. And like you said, you have to have a ticket. And almost all the Titans right. tickets now are electronic anyway. So, that so you, seem, you can't have it unless you have a ticket. This is an added-on right. feature. Easy information that they have or should have. I'm not positive they all they have as much as they should. But, I mean, they could plug into something here that could be a one-man job that would feed this thing. And during the time in between the snap and the snap, you're being fed stuff like this. You're looking at your phone for something anyway. I think it would be the the glorious. first thing they're going to have to do is is upgrade the Wi-Fi. And I know See, they have. They upgraded the Wi-Fi. I, is it I, still I, I not can talk good? about that. I know they have. There's sixty. There's seventy thousand people there on their Wi-Fi. So I get it. Um, last year, going to a Titans game, you couldn't open up and scroll through Twitter. It would update every thirty minutes, and you just you just gave up on it. This year, you can update and scroll through Twitter, but if somebody has a video you want to see, it won't load. So they're you know a, an order of magnitude above where they were last year, sure, but they're not they're not there yet. And they're certainly not. We're sending out push notifications to people on third down. I mean, they've they've still got whatever his name is, Duke yelling, "It's third down, get loud" or whatever. But but they don't. I'm not sure that their infrastructure is to the point where they can do that. If they did that, I would absolutely love it. You, you know me. You yeah. know I'm an analytics person. I would absolutely love that. And I would, I mean, I would, I'm sure everybody there would be bragging about it to everybody that wasn't there. It would be great for yeah. FOMO like you were talking about. All right, about. last one that I'm not into. I'm behind semi-hermetically sealed. I can kind of hear what's going on out there. Uh, you know, I know Johnny Cash at the beginning of the fourth quarter – uh, I, I know the thing now, you know, clap if you're blonde, if you're all of that. That was but, cool twice. Right. All right. So what's the magic formula as far as you're concerned for movie clips, for the drum line, for the band, for all that stuff? And, and a lot of people say just do what the Preds do, but I don't think 14,000 and 68,000 translate. It's, Indoor, outdoor doesn't translate. It's certainly different. Um, I... It's hard. It's a family atmosphere, first of all. So you can't be over-the-top adult things I would like for everything because there are, I mean, there's children there. Um, and there's virtual reality. And there's he gets to X. There. You pick your rating. He gets X. Right. Yeah. Kemper, give everybody VR goggles and then it's not a problem. But um, I think some of the things they do are good. Uh, we had our group chat that we have, which is, like you said, is awesome. Uh, we had a good conversation in the offseason about it. And one of the things that we came up with was some of the things that they have, well, most of the things that it seems they have are on schedules. I mean, the Johnny Cash thing with all yeah, the no Western surprise. movie clips are awesome, and it's always at the fourth quarter. Um, and then after, sometime after that, they do that clap thing, which was, again, cool. But um, it seems like... By Too about game schedule. three or four, it's the same thing over and over again, and there's nothing new. Kind of like the, um, I'm, I don't know if you've seen it, but the kiss cam that they do where they have like that acted out thing. That was hilarious the first two, three times I saw it. And now it's, you know what's coming. 
Um, so it seems like they do all their work in the offseason and get a schedule for eight or, well, I guess ten games, hopefully more. Um, at, but by game by week one or two with the preseason games, everybody's it's, – it's over it and there's no change. So if you're looking at in-game entertainment, they could – they could get two or three games worth of stuff and then just cycle it in based off what's best at the time. Or take ten, one of those slots and put ten different things in that slot. Oh, yeah. But it shouldn't be very hard for them to hire somebody who's, uh, what's the word, um, in the game and paying attention, who's also, I mean, I wouldn't be good at that because I'm not as media savvy and as, you know, picking up on what a crowd's doing savvy. But there's people who are good at that. There's people who are phenomenal and that's their job for things so it shouldn't be very hard for them to find one person who can click the right button and say this is what we should do they have they have gotten better at like not playing that don't impress me much that was bad while a guy's running for a 60 yard touchdown for the other team i think it's better i don't think it's good if that makes sense it was it was bad um and i don't know how much of that was mr adams um i call him mr adams because that's what blake Bettingfield calls him. I'm just, it's in my head now. Um, I don't know how much of it was, was somebody just being in the same job. Well, I think for they a didn't pay time. attention to it for a long time. They're paying attention to it now. It, it's better. It's, it's kind of like the Wi Fi. It's yeah. better, but it's not where you need it to be. Will Craig from my All 22. I appreciate it. Thanks a lot, pal. Um, you're listening to the Paul Kuharski podcast from paulkuharski.com. I'm live at the Doghouse Saloon. You may be listening to this um, recorded. And that's just fine, too. Membership of paulkuharski.com comes with uh, these podcasts, which sometimes have an amazing quality guest. The most recent example of that was uh, I talked with Frank Wycheck for over an hour. Uh, You need to be a member to hear that. Blake Bettingfield, we just heard about his uh, scouting reports are for members only. Um, The private Facebook and Periscopes are for members only. You need to sign up. It's $5.99 a month. Steal at that price. You can get 12 months for the price of 11. I urge you to sign up if you haven't already. I would argue that if you have to have a certain jersey, if you have to be at a certain game, if you have to have your Lucky Titans mug for coffee in the morning, well, you have to have a membership to paulkuharski.com to check off all those boxes. Um, You need to also drink Yazoo Brew, which is the sponsor of this fine podcast. I would urge you to do that. And um, we're going to continue here with a couple more topics. I want to talk about the Titans' ranks. It's always about the wins and the losses. But listen to these numbers. The Titans, even after the Kansas City game, 25th in offense, 15th in rushing, 26th in passing. And I always like to look at two that are beyond those. Those are all about yardage. 27th in third down conversion. 22nd tied in points. That 27th in third down conversions is the big problem. Mike Vrabel keeps talking about how they need more plays. I think they ran 46 plays the other day. I might be wrong. I'm going to pull out a box score here, and I'll tell you the number. Derrick Henry had 23 carries. And it was hard to get them those 23 carries, which they really, really needed to win that game because they ran 49 plays. And 49 plays just isn't a lot when you look at the Chiefs, who ran 78 plays. 49 plays for the Titans. The key to getting more plays is not being 27th on third down. Defensively, they're 18th. You would think they would rank better than 18th in yardage 
as good as this defense has been. 12th against the run, 21st against the pass, 10th on third down. It's pretty good, still not outstanding. Ninth in points, encouraging, but not fantastic. I want to bring up John Kemper, another member of the All-22, and I want to tell you that there's a rare opening right now in the All-22. Kemper's going to tell you how good the 22 is. Then we're going to talk about whatever's on Kemper's mind. First, just quickly tell the people how much you love the 22. Uh, yeah, so... Bring that real close. All right. Can you guys hear me well? All right. So being a member of the All-22 is probably one of the coolest experiences I've got to have as a Titans fan. Um, in the group, we get to talk to Paul every day if we have questions and fun stuff to ask him and all that. But it's also morphed into, like, a, a, a team or a, or a group of brothers, if you will. And we've become this small, uh, close-knit family where we discuss things. Titans, we discuss all sorts of stuff, as a matter of fact, that don't even pertain to the Titans. But we just get to talk to each other, have a good time. Um, Sam in the group's always telling everyone good morning, so that's nice if you need that sort of thing. But uh, How many overall messages did you say? 49,000. There have been yeah. 49,000 messages, almost all of them pertaining to the Titans since we started this endeavor. It's been a lot of fun, and uh, it's been cool getting to know you guys. What's on your mind about the yeah. Titans today? Um, so just on my mind about the Titans, uh, I was listening to a podcast on my way up earlier and listening to you guys talk about it. Derek Henry, you brought him up being the offensive playmaker, the, uh, the best guy on the offense. What do you think about Henry? Do you think they try to find a way to resign him? Does he get paid a big contract? Does he get do, – do they, do they keep him? I was looking – at contract stuff earlier today because I figured we would be talking about this. So Ezekiel Elliott got six years, $90 million, 15 a year, 28 guaranteed at signing, 50 in practical guarantees. There's no way Derrick Henry's worth anything close to that. Todd Gurley got four years, 57 million. That's 14.37 average salary. 21.9 guaranteed, 45 in practical guarantees. And that's 78% of his money was guaranteed. No way could they get close to that. And Gurley's breaking down there. I don't think Derrick Henry breaking down in the next three or four years is a concern. Uh, very durable guy and doesn't have the early tread on the tires based on DeMarco Murray and, uh, and the lack of usage that a lot of us have, have failed to understand, right? Um, you know, Devontae Freeman, five years, $41 million, 8.25 average, 17 guaranteed at signing, 22 practical guarantees. That sounds palatable, right? That sounds reasonable. But Jarek McKinnon, this is the deal, um, you know, I'd look to. Now, he's second year in a row out hurt and San Francisco's doing by the way just fine without him four years 30 million 7.5 average 11 guaranteed at signing 18 in practical guarantees you get that deal I, I go right but I think that Devontae Freeman deal five years 41 eight a little over eight average 17 guaranteed 22 let's compare that to Deion Lewis I mean, Deion Lewis was making 4.9, so that's less than double average. Um, I don't know. 
And really, I think it's going to come down to what he's asking for, how reasonable he is against Gurley and Elliot and Bell, right? If he's thinking that he's Gurley and Elliot and Bell, I think you're talking about automatic impasse there, right? Will's over there waving goodbye. If he's more reasonable and he's thinking he's Devontae Freeman or David Johnson or Jarek McKinney, then I think you've got at least a place to begin conversation. But also, uh, we were talking early, earlier, he's a two-down back. And I don't know that he ever develops into a guy with reliable hands where you say, I could throw to that guy on any third down. And I don't know that you could always say he's not going to put the quarterback at risk. He's better. He's a lot better at pass protection than he was. He's grown there in a way he hasn't necessarily grown as a pass catcher. He'll make a big play pass, passing once in a while in at reception, but not consistently reliable. Well, one, one area that I really think he's grown at, though, is a role of becoming a leader. And we're, I agree we're starting to see this over the past this few game, weeks. This game and, really established he oh, and Tannehill as the yeah, guys. Yeah, him and Tannehill. I mean, just looking at, like, you could look at them and you could see it in their eyes, right? And you could tell that they were ready to take over and they wanted to win this game. So with the lack of leadership on the team, does that play into it a little bit more? It might, but I can't pay for leadership if I'm looking at a guy who needs five steps to get going and my offensive line can't buy him two steps. And by the way, I don't know if the best offensive line in the league is buying him five steps. What's Dallas's offensive line getting? What's the best offensive line in the league helping a, a, a running back get? Uh, you know, and, and this is Mike Vrabel's number. He said he's good if you get him into get him five steps going. Well, that's another place where I think the Titans would be scoring him down and saying, hey, we like him, but it takes him five steps to really get going, and we can't build an offense around a running back that needs five steps to get going. We need a guy that gets two steps to get going. Now, it's really hard. Deion Lewis has got to be gone next year. His right. functional help is gone. And so then are you going to be looking for two running backs when you might be looking for a quarterback and you're still looking for an edge rusher and Logan Ryan could get an offer and go somewhere and you need a right tackle and all of a sudden for the first time in a long time this team is looking for a whole bunch. I shouldn't say a long time. I mean when Wiz's team bottomed out they need a lot. But it's been several years now since they had a big shopping list. They've actually gone into free agency in pretty good shape for a couple of years in a row. Um, so, I mean, Derrick Henry is a really good, really big question. And I like what he's done. I mean, you can't help but like how he ran in this game. You can't help but the signs you're seeing uh, leadership-wise and the things he's saying and the things people are saying about him. But I think those downside things have to be considered too. And then it, I think... It's about, A, what they think they can do with him, and B, where both sides are on what the price is. Well, I mean, Will says if they don't sign him before free agents, he's gone. That's almost the case with anybody. Now, the question is, how determined are you? And I say this about almost anybody with value. If I get to the end of the season... I'm, I'm pretty much waiting for free agency if I feel value, unless I'm a special circumstance guy, you know, unless I'm a face of the franchise guy and you're really still going to talk serious money with me. Um, 
unless, you know, I think Logan Ryan would be priority one, I think. So I think there would be some very serious conversations there. Or Tannehill, you know, if they come to Tannehill and say, hey, here's our quarterback plan, you know, lay it out. But then I think Tannehill could come back and say, well, you know, there are these whispers about Brady, and if that scenario actually came true, no matter what we talk about here, if you follow through on that and he actually wants to go shopping, I'll have zero chance to start here, and I'm not real anxious to back up Tom Brady, you know, and even there, then, you know, maybe he, he waits even because uh, a backup scenario somewhere else gives him more of a chance to start than a scenario where he could conceivably, not likely, but conceivably, be backing up Tom Brady. Hard to imagine, but possible. Thanks a lot, Kemper. Good to see you. Thank you. Boys, you're, uh, you're hitting it out of the park. A couple more notes here, and we'll be on our way. I thought um, I wanted to mention here, too, um, my other podcast, which is called Elsewhere. It's produced by 104.5 The Zone, my radio station where you can hear me 10 to 2 Central Time on weekdays with Jonathan Hutton and Chad Withrow two of the finest people you'll hear in Sports Talk Radio, and who also happen to be two of my very best friends, which keys why our show is uh, of high quality. Um, Elsewhere is me kind of spinning off of that and not talking about sports, where I go elsewhere and kind of hash out an issue that's on my mind uh, and sort through what's going on. Most recent edition was about um, the death of the traffic wave and how I'm not really big on polite things in society, but that one was important to me, and my son will never know what it looks like when he gets his driver's license, because even in the polite South, nobody does it anymore. You can find it all the same places you find this Paul Kuharski podcast. I hope you'll check it out. Uh, Just scrolling through my notes here because I want to make sure I didn't miss anything, and I didn't. So I want to end on this one final thought, which I thought was a big one. Every time the Titans win a big game, and they won a big one on Sunday, certainly against Kansas City, there's some version of this question that we ask Mike Vrabel or whoever the coach is, and that we ask the key guys on the team about whether this is going to be the catalyst, whether this is going to be the springboard, whether this is the game that is going to change things, turn the tide, move the team in a new direction. And invariably, guys say, sure, this is the one. This, this one's different than all those other ones you asked us about. And this is going to be the one that gets us going. And most of the time it turns out not to be the one that gets them going because this is kind of a one step forward and at least one step back kind of team if not a one step forward two step back kind of team but whatever it is it usually winds up not being enough and while Taylor Lewan is uh, very disliked in town right now because of his penalty problems and because of the issues that he's having Um, not playing his best football after the four-game suspension because the offensive line is not having the best year. Um, I know a lot of people don't want to hear from him right now. But I asked him that question on Monday, earlier today. I said, you know, is there reason to believe that this is, is the game that serves as a springboard for you guys? And he said, I don't know if this is the reason until we prove it. Don't drink the Kool-Aid, 
no one in here is drinking the Kool-Aid. And so you are very excited right now, and the next two weeks are going to be a lot more enjoyable at 5-5, five and five, coming off a big upset than they would have been if this team was 4-6, and six, and this podcast would have largely been about how much draft capital the Titans should give up to trade up for a quarterback in April. Thankfully, we can continue to talk about November. But there it is from one of the horse's mouths. I don't know if this is the reason, parentheses, to think this is the springboard, end parentheses, until we prove it, Taylor Lewan said. Don't drink the Kool-Aid. No one in here is drinking the Kool-Aid. Now, we need to see them not drink the Kool-Aid. We need to see them rest up. We need to see Mike Vrabel and his staff do what we've seen them do last year with a bye week and really kind of figure some things out and solve some things and have his team come out better. But a lot of you kind of laughed at me last week when I was talking about a a path to the playoffs for this team. And it's not unrealistic that they could get on a run here. They should not be swept by the Jacksonville Jaguars, who they host on November 24th, and who are simply not that good. <clears throat> and Nick Foles is going to be back at quarterback. That's a big question mark. The Colts are the hurdle that this team simply cannot clear, and they are here on Sunday, December 1st. It's a hurdle they're going to have to clear. They didn't do it last year in the finale, and that was Andrew Luck. They've got to break through against Jacoby Brissett. They were going to have to break through this season against the Colts one way or the other. December 1st at Indianapolis. At Oakland, a team that might go ahead and take that division away from Kansas City. Titans don't usually play particularly well on the West Coast. Houston here. New Orleans here at Houston. Look, it's not the cakewalk the Titans had for four of their last five last year but it's not undoable by any means that they can get to 10 wins or at least nine wins and be in the mix yet again. It's not good to great, but there's some potential there. And we're still talking about November and December football instead of the April draft. I'm not drinking the Kool-Aid. I'd advise you not to drink the Kool-Aid but you don't have to hit the bottle of Jack and drink it to the bottom because this team's left you in misery with a four and six mid-November record either. This has been the Paul Kuharski Podcast brought to you by Yazoo, produced by Vocal. Appreciate the efforts of Ted Price and crew. And uh, thanks to all of you. Consider a membership. I'd love to have you. And uh, all 22's got a spot, too. I don't know if I mentioned that. We'll uh, we'll talk to you on the Midday 180 soon. Stay tuned for a lot more good content at paulkuharski.com. Thanks, everybody. The Paul Kuharski Podcast is a joint production of paulkuharski.com and Vocal. For more information and more programming, please visit vocalnow.com. That's V-O-K-A-L-N-O-W dot com. (laughs) 